Welcome to True Crime 101 with Murder Friends, three friends from three different countries who talk about murder. My name's Alana, and I'm Canadian. Hi, I'm Anna, and I'm American. My name's Hannah, and I'm British. In addition to our longer episodes, True Crime 101 takes you through key true crime cases and theories. So this time on True Crime 101, I wanted to talk about the Greyhound bus murder, which happened in Canada in 2008. Canada is not always the most exciting for crimes. Let's just say that right now. Not the most exciting. Unfortunately, this one, I think, makes up for our lack of big media coverage crimes. I think you're going for, like, quality rather than quantity. Yeah. Yeah, this... I got a lot of my information from the Fifth Estate TV show, which is like a Canadian investigative kind of news show. So I got a lot from that episode on this crime. And to be honest, I had to watch it in two parts because I felt uh, very sick. (laughs) I felt sick. And this is my disclaimer. So this is one of the darker stories. This is a dark story. I feel so bad. I feel so bad, but um, I actually don't know anything about it. I don't think I, I might when she starts talking about it. I don't just of it. Okay. I don't really know about it. <laughs> you okay? <laughs> okay. So back in two thousand and eight in Canada, we have this bus service called Greyhound, and it's basically a really cheap. We have them in America, too. Yeah, Yeah. really cheap. Gets you pretty much anywhere. Canada doesn't really have a lot of trains like the UK does. So if you can't drive, you're kind of stuck with a greyhound. And essentially, the story starts in 2008. We have Tim McLean, who is a 22-year-old carny, essentially. He works with, uh, like, traveling fairs. Mm -hmm. So um, he travels a lot, and he's just sort of kind of figuring out what he wants to do with his life and where he wants to be and and he's this like free spirit traveler kind of guy and he decides he's gonna he's gonna head home to Winnipeg uh in Manitoba and then he thinks he's going to move permanently to British Columbia and like start his life and it's all very like uplifting and exciting of course uh his what's really upsetting his friends offered to pay for a plane ticket but he declined because he you know he was fine taking the bus and we're talking an 18 hour bus trip like canada is big so rather than take you know an hour plane 18 hours yeah that's, that's rough and that's not even he's going from i believe it's from edmonton to uh winnipeg and they are relatively close to each other in the grand scheme of things in Canada. Wow. So 18-hour bus ticket. He says no to um, a plane. He just doesn't want to take that kind of stuff from his friends. So he gets on bus 1170. Now we meet Vincent Lee. He's 40 years old. He is really well-educated in China, but when he comes over to live in Canada, he can only really get low-paying jobs. Uh, Most recently, he was like a newspaper delivery guy. In 2005, he's diagnosed with schizophrenia, but is left untreated, which comes into play, as you can imagine, in the crime. And there's a lot of conversation about 
you know, someone is diagnosed and then essentially left to deal with it himself when obviously he's not in a state to deal with it. So basically, Vincent says he hears the voice of God in his head telling him what to do. And as you can imagine, God doesn't sound like a nice man in this guy's head. Oh, dear. So God is is basically telling him, Vincent, buddy, your life is in danger. Somebody's going to come for you, essentially, and you need to protect yourself. So Vincent buys a hunting knife at good old Canadian Tire, which I'm not really sure what the equivalent would be here in England. It's like B&Q, I guess. Okay. Like a hardware store. Yeah, like Lowe's in the Lowe's, US, yeah. Like, like Home Depot. Home Depot, yeah. Like, basically, he, he, he goes in. He is given a hunting knife, like a, like a real heavy-duty hunting knife. Like a big... Oh, a big boy. Big yeah, boy. big boy. Puts out in his old backpack, and he gets on the Greyhound bus. Vincent has some sort of erratic behavior, as we can imagine. He's on this bus. He decides to get off at one point. He sits on a park bench outside of a gas station all day and all night, just sort of waiting to see for something to happen. It's not really clear what he's thinking. At some point, God tells him he needs to get back on the bus, and he boards bus 1170. So he's sitting at the front by himself, pretty much keeps to himself. He is not a violent guy. He hasn't had any violations in the the past. He hasn't been arrested, that sort of thing. He's just quietly sitting on the bus near the front. Now, our guy Tim is asleep. He's in the second last row, as you can imagine, on an 18-hour bus ride. People are pretty much keeping to themselves, mm. sleeping. You're kind of like listening to your MP3 player, you know, whatever. Your iPod <laughs> if you're rich, but you're on a Greyhound, so maybe oh not. <laughs> so after a pit stop, because basically on these Greyhounds, they only stop really short periods of time. So after a pit stop, Vincent decides that he's going to sleep. He's going to sit beside Tim, who and Tim is still asleep against the window. So they're at the back of the bus. Tim is against the window. Vincent's sitting on the aisle. Passengers who were interviewed after the fact said that Vincent was, like, rocking back and forth and uh, potentially chanting in a language they didn't know. And it was just kind of, like, really strange behavior. But nobody really knew, like, what do you do in that situation? Do of you course. Just, yeah. Do you just, like, leave them? Which is what everybody did. And you just left them. Because this is, at this point, I think it's in the middle of the night. People are just trying to keep to themselves. So then all of a sudden, God tells Vincent that he needs to kill Tim because Tim is a threat to him. So, um, disclaimer. As soon as you were like, as soon as you took that deep in breath, I I tried to cover my own neck up with my own shoulders and pants. It's honestly one of the scariest situations I can imagine. Because when I first moved to England from Canada, I used to have to take the bus all the time because I couldn't drive. I couldn't afford car insurance. And the idea that somebody would attack you like a stranger on a bus is like one of the scariest things I could ever think of. So, okay, here we go. Let's, let's, uh, let's do this. Okay, so he, Vincent obviously takes out his, uh, hunting knife and just begins, uh, stabbing Tim, just, like, going for it, and everybody is, as you can imagine, really shocked. Like, people don't really know how to react Especially with freeze in that situation. When yeah, in that like, situation. Well, it's the same situation yeah. when you see, like, um, the the terrorist incidents that happen in, you know, the UK where the the, the guys, like, crash their van and then oh, the one ran out. Market. Bro Market, where yeah. they ran out and they started attacking people. But you're so, like, 
is, what, is, is this happening? Is this happening? Is this I, I wonder how long yeah. it actually takes you for your like brain to catch you up with what's actually mm. sort of going on. Like, yeah. how would you react? And would you just think, my God, save me? Like, you would just be scared, yeah. or would you try to like get them off of them, sort of thing? So, from the interviews of people that were on the bus, basically everybody starts after a period of shock everybody's basically screaming for the bus to stop because they're on the highway at this point they're in the middle of nowhere in the dark all the lights are off you just you're kind of like hearing what's happening so the bus pulls over and everybody is literally piling over each other to get out and there are even people on the bus behind the, their row because they weren't yeah. at the very back. So people are like literally trying to climb over the scene that's happening just to get off and stand on the side of the road, essentially. And they interview this truck driver who actually pulls over. He can see everybody is like panicking, something's happening. Mm-hmm. So he actually pulls over and gets a big metal bar from his truck and gets on the bus because he's. Um, trying to help, which, like, I mean, God bless him. Well, I don't think there's like, many doesn't, people... He doesn't even know what he's getting no. into. He's just, just like, get me a pipe. Get, get me a pipe bus. and get on the bus. I can fix this situation. And he said he confronts Vincent on the bus, and Vincent is literally expressionless. Like, there's nothing happening there. Unfortunately, Tim, at this point, is very much dead in the aisle of this bus. Everybody else is off, so they're just sort of standing looking at Vincent. Vincent then begins to, in the nicest way to put this, uh, decapitating Tim in front of this truck driver. Like, just emotionless. There's not, like, a hatred involved. It's literally just, like, a robot. And this poor man, pretty much everybody involved in this case has severe PTSD, as you can imagine. Vincent is then, you know, doing that. The... Truck driver is frozen. I think anybody would be. And Vincent essentially walks towards him with a knife in one hand and in the other. And they, they basically back off of the bus and they use the pipe thing to barricade. I was going to say, I think at that stage, if there's nothing you can do to save a victim, I think I would just... You back Everyone, off. You back off. You cl- yeah. keep them on the bus till the police get there Absolutely. at that Absolutely. stage. Because you Every- can't save. Yeah, at that point, let's detain. Yeah, everybody's uh, traumatized. I was this at this point. I had to stop watching the episode because it's so it's unimaginable and it's so random. There is no reason. This isn't like a a grudge happening. This isn't like a prior thing. It's literally just a very ill man, basically. Yeah. So they they barricade him on the bus. Unfortunately, all the passengers on the road can see everything that's happening. When they interview Vincent later, Vincent says that God tells him that you are still not safe and this man is going to come back to life unless you continue. So things happen which I really wish they hadn't said in the documentary, and I'm not going to say now because it's just too horrific. But what essentially ends up happening is the RCMP, which is the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, arrive. They don't know what to do at this point because Vincent is doing things in the bus. People are very freaked out. And the RCMP wait for four hours. (gasps) They stay outside the bus 
just essentially watching and they um, you can actually hear uh, recordings of them talking about what's happening they're basically like live streaming it to each other and they call him Badger and they say okay Badger is at the front of the bus doing this and Badger whatever and after four hours Vincent then tries to jump out one of the windows and then he is finally arrested but he had been on the bus at that point for about five hours, which a lot of people were really upset about. Like, why wouldn't you just take him out either Did they violently or, or non-violently? Yeah. But I think a lot of people were so traumatized. That it was like, I don't know mm. what to do. I don't Did they go try home. and negotiate with him more? No, mm. no. They just like let him stay on the bus, basically. So Tim's ID was kept secret, and so his family actually saw the story on the news, but they didn't realize that it was him or that he was on that bus. And I actually remember them reporting this because this was like the biggest story on a just a regular old Greyhound bus in Canada. We've all taken them. It was massive news. And things like this, like it's kind of cliche to say, things like this don't really happen in Canada, at least not something this current or this horrific. But basically, they put Vincent into um, a psych evaluation. He accepts responsibility, and he was actually angry that there is no death penalty in Canada because he was expecting to be executed, basically. He was asking them, like, are you going to execute me? Like, when is that going to happen? Like, I expect that's what the... What's, but, of course, that we don't do that in Canada. And he actually got upset that there's no death penalty because that's just what he thought. He, it's obviously he just has severe mental illness. Yeah. It's mm. so sad. So he is in the psych hospital for quite a long time. They do a mental diagnosis, and they're found that uh, they find that he cannot be held criminally responsible because obviously his schizophrenia was so out of control. And rather than any criminal record, he is put in a uh, facility, basically. And he is in there getting therapy, the, the right drugs, all that kind of stuff for about 10 years nine years or so. In 2017, Vincent is given absolute discharge. The review board believes he poses no threat to the public. He changes his name. He is out. Uh, he has no restrictions. He has no check-ins with any sort of parole. So he's out now. He's, he's out. out no check-ins at all. No, no mental health check-ins. No, and no uh, criminal record. So he's got a new name. People don't obviously don't know where he is. So he changed his name to Will Lee Baker, which they actually released, which was a little bit surprising. Yeah, what's the point in changing your name then? But the, the whole point that people really latched on to this case is, is it okay if someone seems to be rehabilitated for um, a mental illness that in, uh, like caused the crime or provoked the crime, is it okay for them to then be let out? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. he's gone now, he's out, everybody is not exactly thrilled. Obviously, the, the impact, uh, one of the first RCMPs on the scene committed suicide. Yeah, not like heavy stuff. Some of the, the, there was one report, a woman who was on the bus when all this happened, she actually lost custody of her child because her PTSD was so severe afterwards. So do you, um, he's rehabilitated. Not, not to mention unquote. the family. They're, oh, yeah, Tim's, Tim's family. family. The, I don't know. I, I mean, I may, I think... What, what do you do? I think that there's crazy that there's no sort of, like, what if he just stops taking his medication one day? Yeah. Like, if there's no one monitoring him, I feel like that is, that is not normal even for somebody who's 
schizophrenic to be that, to have that sort of behavior. That is really extreme. That's surprising that he doesn't have any sort of check-in, no parole type check-in. Yeah, he was given an absolute discharge. Yeah, some people were saying, okay, if you, if you, obviously we don't want to put everybody in prison and we want to rehabilitate people who can be rehabilitated. But then to let them out fully... Is that okay? The review board said that he posed no risk to the public. If so, he has been in a mental facility, like a mental health facility for ten years, though, that's a very long time to be in a mental health facility, receiving treatment and everything. But I would have thought there would have been a check-in. Yeah. I guess you just want, you just worry that one day he'd just quit taking his medication and something like that would happen. Yeah, yeah. Um, like because there's no one like it could, it could out happen. For him. It could not happen, but, but then it, sorry, isn't it? Who who? You know, he's not been charged with anything, so he wouldn't fall under going on parole. No, so he he's would, got no criminal you feel like There should be some condition where he has his doctor, and he has... And maybe... I don't know. It, It's hard because I kind of... You know, the mental illness isn't his fault. That yeah. is... You know, if he had cancer, he'd be... Or if he had a broken leg, that's different. But, um, yeah, it just seems crazy that they wouldn't sort of find a way to monitor it. Yeah. And that's... And that... I mean, it, the story blew up. Obviously, when it first happened, people were traumatized and really shocked that something so horrific could happen and then the fact that okay remember when that really big story broke well now he's out and he's free to do whatever he needs to do sort of thing and a lot of people were upset and then that sort of started this big conversation in Canada about rehabilitation and mental illness and whether somebody who commits such a heinous crime like that should get the opportunity to be out again. Heavy stuff. I don't, think, heavy. I don't think there's an answer to that, is there? Really? No. I don't know. Do you think people like that should... Who, if you're... It's, that's the fine line. Like, um, I know personally, like, I, certain drug charges... Like, in the, the US, people can, you know, it can be a drug charge and they're in prison for 20 years or something, mm, which yeah. is non-violent. I think it's different between violent and non-violent crimes. I think... Because you'd think, you know, before they decided to release him, were there, was there, like, a hearing? Was there, like, a victim impact, like, where they would well, I, read their, their how yeah. what the impacts made over the last 10 years? And I think over the years there were different restrictions lifted. So at, at one point he was allowed to go out during the day, certain days of the week. And then later on he was allowed to live in a separate housing place. Like sort of like, housing. Yeah. yeah. And then um, on top of that, a few years later, then he was allowed more travel. And then, so this was kind of like the final step. Okay, he's got this far. He's completed these sort of phases. He's quote unquote cured or at least... Um, he's managing. Managing. Mm-hmm. And now we aren't going to keep him anymore. He's going to do what he has to do. I guess they're the professionals. They know yeah. I guess you have to trust in that, that they know what they're doing. I hope so. I hope so, too. But just in case, like, don't take a Greyhound when you go no. visit. When visit, okay? <laughs> yeah, Greyhound um, got definitely... tickets anytime. <laughs> yeah, it definitely got a uh, different different vibe after that. And and even still to this day, I think the this particular, the killing of Tim on the Greyhound bus is one of Canada's worst crimes. Absolutely. So please uh, sleep well tonight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's like, night, night, guys. Yeah, hope you're not listening to this on a bus. <laughs> <laughs>